How many of you are glad you live in America? <laughs> it's the best country on earth. I spent um, six months in Haiti working with a missionary group. When I came back to the United States, I felt like kissing the ground. All you have to do is travel around the world a little bit to know how fortunate you are. That's why I was so disappointed uh, last week with my Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> I just about disowned them. I mean, if it hadn't been for that one Steeler coming out and standing there and crossing his heart and pledging the flag, I don't know if I would have watched the game. You know, his jersey now is the number one selling jersey in the NFL. I'm going to give them another chance this week. They better all come out of that tunnel. They can lock their arms if they want to, but they better be standing when they play that anthem. I don't need to watch football, but I will. They do right. <laughs> Actually, two weeks ago, they beat the Vikings, you know. <laughs> Imagine Pastor Gary didn't like that too much, but I did. <laughs> also, since I was here last, I lost some weight. Oh, I have such a, tri a trial with weight. I've, I've lost weight, gained weight. I, oh, just so much trouble there with uh, weight gain and and, you know, um, I was getting on the scale, and it looked like um, when you look at the charts on the Internet and so on, and they take your size, your age, and what you should weigh, they have a scale then to tell you if you're below normal, normal, or obese. And I was obese. <laughs> so <laughs> we did exercises. I was riding bikes, walking. I did try to do 10,000 steps a day. And all that, and lost, I lost 25 pounds. I mean, I'm just so grateful. And besides that, we had a class reunion. It was the 50-year class reunion. That was motivation, too. I got my little sign here. This is the way I used to look 50 years ago. Now, my son said, don't worry whenever you go to that reunion. Nobody cares about how you look. They're just rejoicing the fact they're still alive. So we were rejoicing, but it helped to have the name tag. Nobody, you'll have to look at this after the service and see if you would have recognized me. 137 pounds when I graduated. Dad used to say, if you turn sideways, you couldn't see me. But there's some downsides, too, to um, losing weight, and that is clothes. Clothes don't fit you the same as they used to. And I had these... Um, I didn't want to get in. I've lost weight and gained weight so many times. Well, I'm not going to go out and buy a whole new set of clothes. They may only fit me a couple weeks. <laughs> so I just got, uh, I started taking the little notch in the belt and making the loopholes uh, more often. You know, I put about five or six loopholes in there. You can tuck your pants together and tighten the belt up. And if you wear an untucked shirt, no one ever sees that. And it worked just fine until I went to the airport. They make you unload everything when you go through those 
machines, you know, to make sure you're not carrying any bombs. So I unloaded all my pockets, my cell phone went in there, my keys went in there, all the change I had in my pocket, everything was in there but my belt. And when I went into the machine, it beeped. And the lady says to me, do you have a belt on? And I said, yes. And she said, well, you're going to have to take it off and put it on the conveyor belt. So I did that, and I'm in here. I'm coming out there, and I'm holding my pants like this, you know. And she says, well, you can't put your arms there. You have to put your arms up here. And when I did that, my pants fell down to my ankles. Clear down to my tidy whities Oh, everyone was laughing. I said to her, does this happen often? And she says, not with people your age. She says, usually it's those guys that wear their pants halfway down, you know, and they're walking along. They'll fall off, but you may be the first. <laughs> God has a way of keeping you humble. And I like that. It's not always pleasant, but you go through things and you just have to remember you're human and you do dumb things and you make mistakes and God's going to be with you if you're just faithful and if you're humble, you don't have far to fall. You're already down there. Pride goeth before the fall because they're up here. But when you're humble before the Lord, that is a good thing. God will bless you anyway, even when you are humiliated. <laughs> I've got to tell you, I'm a connoisseur of preaching. I've been preaching 40 years. I was pastor at my church for 40 years. And I've heard ministers speak. I enjoy when I travel to get tapes out and put them in the tape machine and listen as I travel to people speaking. I have the Sirius radio, so I put on the message, if you have that, you know what I mean. You put that's gospel music. The very song they sang today that was so moving, I've heard that right on the station before. And it wasn't sang any better there than it was this morning here. You're so blessed. And I'm saying all that to say this. Your pastor, Pastor Gary, may be the finest preacher I have ever heard. You are so blessed to have him. When I'm down here in the winter, I'm a snowbird. I don't miss church. And I usually like to stay for both services because the sermons are different. And you hear something good every time and you're blessed by being here. And the best thing you could do since that, if you believe that and you... And you feel that in your heart. The best thing that you can do is invite everybody that you know to church. Say, you've got to come and hear this guy. He's crazy. He's a good preacher. Come and listen to him. You will be delighted at what you hear. Come, I'll pick you up. But bring people to church with you. This place, I believe God is going to so bless it. All the seats will be filled. That balcony is going to be filled. God is going to bless this place because you're proclaiming the Word of God. And you understand your responsibility when you do that. I was passing a church the other day. You know how they give the title of the church, then they give the minister's name. So it had minister there, but instead of having the pastor's name, here's what it said. Ministers, all the people, 
All the people are ministers. All the people need to be able to share the gospel of Christ, what God has done for you, the testimony that's on your heart for God saving your soul that has more of an impact than you can imagine in witnessing to someone about the Lord Jesus Christ. We are all ministers. So when you think about that, and we think about angels today, we'll put all that into perspective. Last, uh, uh, Just the last message I talked about angels. The topic is so big you can't believe it's... Uh, I read books about it. My favorite book is Billy Graham's book, Angels. If you ever have the chance to read that, you want to read it, download it onto your phone, uh, put it on your Kindle, buy a copy of it. It's not that hard to read, 175, 180 pages or so. It is filled with the experiences that Billy Graham, a legend, has had through his life and the people that he's talked to and the uh, people that have seen angels. And bless God because of what angels did for their lives. Missionaries that were saved because the angels came and camped around them. When those who would have killed them would have rushed in and destroyed their lives. It's an amazing thing what God does through the angelic realm. We're going to look at that this morning. Angels in the New Testament. Yes, or just the last message was angels in the Old Testament basically. A little bit in the New, but now this is all in the New Testament Angels are mentioned nearly 300 times, 34 books of the Bible. So what I did was I took angel and angels, just take a concordance, like a Strong's concordance that has every word in the Bible. And you get to the angel group and you just start reading those passages right out of the concordance. And you'll be amazed what you learn about the angels of heaven, how they are ministering spirits. We're going to look at that this morning. In the book of Acts, angels are referred to 21 times. We're going to be looking at the book of Acts. In Revelation, angels are mentioned 74 different times. So you know it has a big, they have a big impact on what happens in the future when you look in the book of Revelations. Angel means messenger. And so they're messengers from God. And they have a ministry here. God loves to share himself with his creation. So he knows what he wants to do, and has created beings that will administer what he wants to do to others so he can share the goodness with them. Angels are heavenly messengers created by God before he created the earth. That's a good thing to remember. When you're looking at uh, how God creates and how God puts everything in order, and how everything before creation was moving in a positive direction towards him. And how sin has brought about death, entropy. And how that death haunts us and, and drives us downward. But there's a time coming. You were born humanly and you will die in a human body. But when you're born of the Spirit, God says, when you're born again, you're never going to die. You're going to live forever with the Lord. And you can praise Him for that. You can know that now for certainty, that you're going to live forever. Angels perform many activities at God's command. But the angel of the Lord by night, Acts chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. 
And if you remember the background of this, the early disciples were arrested because they were preaching Jesus. How would you like to be witnessing to someone about the Lord and they come and arrest you? That doesn't happen in the United States yet, but it does happen around the world. There are places where the church has to worship underground, where you have to be careful what you say in public or you're proselyzing illegally. And so we can be grateful that there were men and women of God who weren't afraid to witness. Hebrews 1.14 says, Are they not ministering spirits, talking about angels, set forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation? Now I'm here to tell you that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you've been saved, you have angels that minister on your behalf. You might call them guardian angels, angels that overlook things that are going on in your life and protect you and seal you. But if you look at this passage carefully, it says, back that up just, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be, who shall be part of the family of God, heirs of salvation? That means there are angels in heaven helping people that aren't even saved yet. That's a good feeling. Because I jumped into a pool when I was just a little boy, probably 12 or 13 years of age. It's not like I hadn't heard the message of salvation before I had. I just didn't respond. I was drugged to church every time there was a service going on. I was there on Wednesdays. I was there on Sundays. I was there on Sunday evenings. If they had a Friday night Bible study, I was there. Hayes Grove camp meeting was two weeks, two weeks long. I got drugged to every one of those. My parents never let me miss church. But I got calloused, even at a young age, and didn't respond to the Lord until much later in my life. I, I spent seven or eight years without the Lord. If I would have died at that time, I would have gone to hell. Even though I heard the gospel many times, I could tell you what you needed to do. I just hadn't done it. I jumped into a pool. I had one of those floaty things on. I couldn't swim yet. And the floaty thing went up over my feet so that my feet were up here where they could breathe, but my face was down underneath. It doesn't work. <laughs> and I was struggling and struggling and I was in a remote area. I was mowing this, the grass for a person who had a pool uh, down away from other people. The near, you couldn't see the nearest neighbor. But someone heard me splash in, came and rescued me, or I would have died right then. And I'm here to tell you, God watches over those who will be part of the family of God. And maybe you've had an experience like that where you know that the Lord has protected you. And those are the things that angels do. Psalms 91.11 says, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. We usually attribute that scripture only to the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's to anyone who follows God. His angels have charge. And you're sealed until the day of your redemption. And that means that God is going to take care of you. You don't have anything to worry about until your time on earth is done. And then it just gets better.
People would say the worst thing that could happen to you is that you die. But the worst thing humanly that can happen to you when you die is the best thing that will happen to you when you go to heaven. And we're all headed that way, praise the Lord, who believe in Jesus. Now, originally, all the angels were good, but God gave them freedom of choice. And in the process, a number of them joined Satan in his rebellion. In fact, it says a third of the angels. People debate, is it a third of the angels under Christ? Was it a third of the angels altogether? And I'm just telling you what the Bible says. It's a third of the angels. That could be a lot of angels. The Bible says there are tens of thousands. Ten thousand times ten thousand, thousands of thousands of angels, innumerable in number. An astronomical Google, you can't put a number on it because there isn't a number big enough. That's how many angels there are. Look at the number of humans that have lived through life, and they go into the billions of people who have lived. Some have died. These lost their heavenly role, and they became fallen angels. The fallen angels have power, power greater than ours, their spirit beings. But God's power in you is greater than that of the force of evil. And you don't need to fear them. In fact, the Bible says when we're right with God, when we're in the will of God, when we're doing what God wants us to do, you can tramp the angels under your feet. That is the fallen angels. So we can be grateful that God gives us power, but it's only through Christ that we have that power. Bad angels are active today. Satan is very active Evils abounding in our world. Who would have thought you could have a hurricane in Texas, a hurricane in Florida, and another hurricane hit in the Puerto Rico all in such a short amount of time? And we're living in perilous times where things can happen that are just extraordinary. But where evil abounds, God says grace abounds much more. And we can be grateful that God is for us. Good angels are concerned with furthering God's authority. They always have been. They always will be. They are sin-proof. They do what the Lord tells them to do. They travel at speeds that are unimaginable to us. I know we're locked into this idea that, you know, you got to get on a spaceship and travel 20 years before you can get to Mars. But let's just say that you were an angel and God says, I need you to go up on Mars just for a moment. As soon as the angel thinks what God said, he is there. It's called thought propulsion. There's no distance time that's relative at all to angelic travel. While they're not omnipotent, omnipresent, they have the power to be where God wants them to be instantaneously. That's what angels can do. They cannot do, however, their own thing. They have to travel in the will of God and do what God commands them to do, and they're delighted to do this. Let me share a little insight with you of what I think heaven is like. I think heaven is such a glorious place that angels don't even want to leave. I think if your loved ones were given the opportunity who have departed and gone to heaven, though they love you very much, and they hope to see you, They wouldn't come back to earth. 
because they'd have to leave heaven. The only time that they're going to leave heaven and come back to earth is when Jesus leaves. Because where Jesus is, it's heaven. So we can be delighted to know that's going to happen in the future. But heaven is such a glorious place, angels probably have to volunteer. They don't want to go, necessarily, but they will go if the Lord commands it. At times, angels can appear as human beings, but they never become human. Now, I know all about the Scripture in Genesis that says the sons of God came down to the daughters of women and begat children who were giants in the land. Let me assure you right now that that was not fallen angels. The sons of Seth were called the sons of God. And they perhaps even cohabitated with the daughters of men, Cain's relatives. And maybe that's what created the need for the Lord to come back and finally destroy the world except for Noah and his sons and their wives. In the Bible, the angels of God usually appear in masculine form. That doesn't mean they're male. they, They don't have a gender. They're neither male nor female. You see, when, when you're not dying, there's no need to reproduce. The angels that were alive when Christ was here are the angels that are alive right now, from the beginning. They are immortal, eternal beings. God's good angels are seldom visible to us because we would be tempted to worship them. You can find this in the Bible. An angel appeared to John, and John after the angel explained some of the things that are going to happen, Revelation 19.10 and Revelation 22, John bows down to worship the angel. And the angel says, What are you doing? I'm not God. You worship God and God alone. Angels will always declare that. Now, there are times when the Spirit of God or God Himself occupies an angelic form. These are called theophanies in the Bible. There are times when that occurs, and because Jesus or God in all His glory can't be revealed or we would just die, He limits Himself to an angelic being, the angel of the Lord. Sometimes it's typical of what will be said when that occurs. But normally, you will never see them in human form as angelic creatures without looking very, very human. In fact, the Bible says this, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. That's why you should love people. (laughs) You love everybody. Because you never know when your generosity and the way you treat someone will be recognized by an angel of the Lord. Someone comes to church and they've never been here before and you see them and you greet them and you love on them even though you don't know them. And you invite them back to another service. Before they can leave, you say, will you come home with me and we're going to have some lunch together or we're going to this restaurant. Will you join us? When you show love to people, sometimes, the Bible says, you may be doing that to an angel. I had this uh, lady in our church. Her name was Mother McIntyre. She was a little colored lady. I remember her so well. Big, thick. I wondered how she could ever see out of me. She loved the Lord all her life. She lost her husband. 
she was living in Monongahela City, and she'd come to church when someone could provide a ride for her. Well, she came to church this one Sunday morning, and she said, Pastor, I was reading in the Bible where the Lord says that if I were even to stub my toe, he'd send forth an angel so that that wouldn't happen to me. And he said the, she said the strangest thing happened. I was going down the stairs of my house. Her bedroom was on top and all the other parts of her house were on the bottom. She tripped on the carpet and started to fall. And she said this, an angel caught me. Caught me right in midair. Took me down the steps. Took me around the living room and swung me like we were dancing. She said the aroma of the air was unbelievable. A perfume like I've never smelt before. She said it was the most awesome experience I have ever had in my life. You know what I did? I went to her house the next week and stayed there. And I thought, maybe that angel's coming back. <laughs> God has a way of showing himself strong. God has a way of protecting his children. Angels in the New Testament. We're going to take a quick look. We're going to move rapidly now. Angels declare messages from God. The book of Acts begins with the promise of the power of Pentecost at Acts 1.8 and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> You'll remember that Jesus was on earth 40 days after his resurrection. The last 10 days were just prior to Pentecost. He left on the 40th day and he went outside of Jerusalem and his disciples were there. They saw him rise up in the clouds. If you can imagine that sight, he didn't just disappear as he had before. They saw him rise up into the air. And they're standing there watching like this, wondering, wondering, is he, when's he coming back? And angels were right there, suddenly appearing right before them in white raiment, saying, what are you doing looking up there? Don't you know that the Lord that just went up that way, he's coming back. He's coming back with, for, for his children. He's coming back for you. you. He's going to establish his kingdom upon the earth. Don't bother looking up anymore. Start looking around at what he commanded you to do. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Even the book of Acts commands us to go out and proselyte, to win souls, to testify about what God has done for us, and to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's the Great Commission. And he, uh, I imagine the angel is just saying like that, don't, don't look up anymore. Start doing what God told you to do. Get busy doing the things of the Lord. There are those two angels dressed in white robes. The angels directed souls to the men of God also in part two. He saw a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day and an angel of God came forth saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and he said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Cornelius was a good man and he loved the Lord but he wasn't saved yet. He needed to hear the gospel. So send men 
the angel said, to Joppa. Call for one called Simon, whose surname is Peter, that's one of the disciples, then apostle of the Lord. They even told him where he would be found, lodging with one Simon Tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. God responded to Cornelius' sincere prayers. He just wanted to know how he could get closer to God. I mean, he was doing all he knew to do. He was giving money to the saints in Jerusalem. He was he was a good person. He, he tried to do everything that was right, but still there was something missing in his life. He wasn't saved. And so by sending and getting Peter to come, Peter, of course, who didn't want anything to do with the Gentiles. Talk about a biased person. Is told by the Lord, you go, and he gives them this sheet of, of a vision where the animals come down, and he's told to kill and eat, but he says, these are unclean animals, Lord, I'm not going to do that. And three times it comes down, so it has great impact on him, and each time the Lord says, kill and eat, and Peter says, no, I can't do that, and the Lord says this, what I call clean, don't you call unclean. Knocking at the door. He hears the knock. And there it is, Cornelius' men coming to get him and taking him to a Gentile house. Of all things. Peter goes and he's amazed at what happens as he shares the gospel before he can hardly finish. Cornelius and his whole household have received the Spirit of God, and they're born into God's family. Now, angels direct souls to the men of God, but angels do not convey the message of salvation. Remember, that's us. We're given that responsibility. We're the ministers sent forth. We're the people that are to proclaim the message of God. You're the person that's been saved. And when you share your personal testimony, that has an impact on someone. We're all commanded to do that. No ifs, ands, or buts. You have divine appointments almost every day if you are sensitive to that. The person sitting next to you on the airplane is a divine appointment. The person next to you at a, a game or whatever it might be, a divine appointment. I love my divine appointments when I play golf down here. God puts me with some of the most wretched men they curse and they swear and the ball doesn't go where it should go and they're ranting and raving and throwing their clubs down and they say, oh, by the way, what do you do? They say, I'm a minister. <laughs> and they say, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's it real silent. One of them said to me, can you forgive me? I said, well, only God can do that, you know. You have to pray and ask for forgiveness. I'm not going to hold that against you, because I used to do the same thing. <laughs> I would throw the tools when I got mad. Oh, never find them. I used to have all those issues in my life. But God saved my soul, and I'm finally, at times, beginning to have the control I always wished I would have. God will do that for you. He doesn't make you perfect or sinless, but He gives you divine help so that you can do the things you ought to do. Divine appointments 
so that you can witness to people that need the Lord. Pastor Gary is a pro at this. Goes into a little restaurant called Happy Days. Sits down and has the meal. Waitress comes over and he's got this big smile on his face. He begins talking to her. Pretty soon all the waitresses are coming over. <laughs> they want to talk to him too. And then the owner of the restaurant comes out and says, Where have you been? Where are you from? And he said, well, I'm just here visiting. And they said, Well, you come back anytime. They, they want to talk with him. They want to be around that man. Because, and he has the opportunity, he's going to share the gospel with them every time. God will create those opportunities for us. You ought to ask Him for it. Give me an opportunity every day, Lord, to share the gospel of Christ. Angels never preach, but the Bible says they rejoice when someone comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. You might say there's a party in heaven when a sinner repents. Even in the morning service, hands went up to receive Christ as Savior. The angels are rejoicing when that occurs. We should rejoice with them when someone comes to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We'd like to make, make a set of rules that you have to follow in order for you to be saved. You have to dress this way or wear your hair this way or, or, or do something else or tithe in the church or attend church a number of years before you can be saved or, or join the church and have your, your name on the roll. None of that counts. None of it. But receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior is what saves you. All the works are futile except for believing on Jesus and being saved. And the angels do more. I think. There we go. The task of preaching the gospel is assigned to men, fulfilling a commitment. Evangelism given to men. We already talked about that. You know it's the truth. They cannot speak of the gospel from personal experience. The most powerful tool in preaching and witnessing is your personal testimony. How you got saved. Let me tell you how I got saved. I was 19 years old at California State College studying engineering. God put me not in a dormitory, but in a little house with three atheist roommates. They started pounding on God. Now, I wasn't saved, but I knew enough about the Bible that I wasn't going to let them talk that way about God. I didn't know what to say to them exactly, so I called my pastor. The pastor who probably knew I'd never given my heart to the Lord yet. came down from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to California State, and sat with me in the room with my atheist friends shared the gospel with them like they had never heard it before. Well, I don't know what it did for them, but I know what it did for me. <laughs> that night I got on my knees and I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and I was saved. And I wasted years. But God was still gracious, just like He'd be gracious to any one of you today who would receive Him as Lord and Savior. God is so good. We're looking at angels in the New Testament. Angels set the captives free. The apostles had been arrested and put into jail for proclaiming the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Three jailhouse miracles, and we're almost done. 
These jailhouse miracles are just a marvelous thing to behold. Acts 5, 19 through 20, the angel of the Lord came by night, opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go and stand in the temple and proclaim the words of this life. That was for a multiple group of the disciples who were arrested. They would have killed them. There's no doubt about it. But the angel of the Lord came and tells them exactly what they're to do. Go right back into the temple and start preaching again. Later, King Herod went after some of the preachers. You remember what happened to him? He killed James. And he would have killed Peter, too. But he didn't get the opportunity. God, however, had the plans. Sent his angel who had to wake Peter up. Now imagine this. You're on death row. You know James had just been killed. You know that the King Herod's going to try to please the Jews who hate you. And the next morning you're probably going to be taken out and either stoned to death hung or crucified. And what's Peter doing? He's sleeping like a baby. He's not scared. He's not afraid. He figures it's all in the Lord's hand. The angel had to wake him up in order to escort him out. At first Peter thought, I'm just dreaming. This can't really be happening. Just a dream. And it tells you when you look at this text that there were actually people praying that God would set Peter free, that that God would miraculously intervene. When Peter comes to himself and he realizes, hey, I'm not dreaming. This is happening. I'm walking through this jail cell. The doors are open. The chains have fallen off. The Lord sent his angel delivered him out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectations of the Jews. Herod did not like this. And in fact, when you're put in charge in Rome, when you were put in charge of prisoners, if anything happened to the prisoners that you were supposed to be taking care of and they got away, you paid with your life. Angel revealed, angels reveal God's assignment to men. The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go to the south and to the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And in that passage, it talks about Philip, who was one of the seven deacons who were assigned because the disciples didn't want to take time from their study of God's Word and preaching to serve tables. But what happened to the deacons in almost every case is that God not only used them to serve others, He began to use them to minister the Word of God. That's what Stephen was doing so well when he was captured and stoned to death in front of Saul, Tarsus, who was holding the clothes of those who were stoning Stephen, whose face was shining like the face of an angel while he was dying. As I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. But that didn't impact anybody else. It impact Saul. He knew he couldn't do that. He couldn't feel that way if he were dying. And it's like the little seed that you plant. Sometimes 
you'll wonder when you share the gospel or truth, is it having any kind of impact? But God will often take the seed that's there and plant it in someone's soul. Someone else comes along and adds something to it, a little bit of water, a little bit of nourishment there, and suddenly a seed begins to sprout. And what started as just a seed then blooms into a full-blown saving grace. And that is what God is able to do with the seeds that we can plant on a daily basis. Angels have power to destroy. After Peter's jailhouse experience, Herod gets up to do this speech. And after he was done, whether they were coerced or not, the people that were there started, started saying, that was the voice of a God. That was amazing what you just said. That was so powerful. They started uh, applauding Herod as though he were deity. And he said, well, yes, I am. That's pretty good. Yeah, I, I am God. And just then, the angel of the Lord came. And before he could ever even sit down, The Bible says a worm got in his stomach and began to eat him alive, and he died almost instantly. You just never know. Whenever you begin to rebel against God, how long your life will be on earth. Acts 12:23. Immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he had not given God the glory. He was eaten of worms, and he gave up the ghost. Angels in the New Testament, that's what we're talking about today. And angels encourage and inspire. Paul sailed to Rome on a ship that was headed for trouble. He told the people that were in charge of the ship, please don't go, this is not the right time to be sailing. It's like he had premonition that something terrible was going to happen. Paul says, I only see disaster. Our lives are in danger. Who ignored him? They said, we're trained seamen. Paul's just a preacher. Terrible storm came and they lost control of the ship. But after long abstinence, they'd gone without food for days because they were so afraid of what was going to happen. They started throwing things overboard to lighten the ship. Finally, they threw the tackle and everything that would control the ship overboard. They were in such trouble. They didn't know what to do. But Paul said to them, Sirs, you should have hearkened to me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. Now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of life. The ship's going to be destroyed because there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve. God was giving him everybody on the ship. You ever do that when you're on the plane? I always pray before I fly, especially on a legion because they have old planes. But they're the ones that fly into Punta Gorda. So I always pray then. <laughs> I'm sitting there in the plane and praying, Lord, you know I'm your servant. You know I'm coming down here to preach. Will you, will you take care of me? Take care of this plane. 
give me everybody that's on it. I pray that way. I just, I believe it. And it's always worked so far. <laughs> God is so good. What's next? Angels in the New Testament. Not all angels are good. That's the trouble. There are bad angels. The Bible says we should test the spirits so that when someone speaks to you, you want to make sure it lines up in the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 11, 14 through 15. Marvel not, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. I'll give you two examples. I'm the preacher that believes there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. I have a psychologist friend who believes that all religions lead you to the same place. And I say, Dr. Wilson, that's just not true. Don't you believe the Bible? I knew he understood the Bible because I know he studied the Bible. But he still continues to say, Allah is God too. Confucius had a God relationship. Muhammad had a God relationship. And so whatever you're following, it's going to lead you. I say to him, I hope you're not following any of those because if you do, you're not going to heaven. He just laughs at me. But it's the truth. The angel who visited Muhammad, he was very young. He was a camel driver of all things. A very young person seeking uh, the truth in religion he had these visions. They were horrible visions. So horrible, he thought for sure it's demons that have to be given to him. But his wife said, no, no. Go ahead and listen. This might be an angel from God. And later on, the angel who he calls Gabriel begins to tell him all these things that need to be changed in Christianity. The angel tells him that Jesus is just a prophet. That Jesus wasn't really crucified. It was an imposter. In fact, if you'd really like to know, it was Judas. Judas was crucified in place of Jesus. And then they came and took the body of Judas away so that everyone would think that it was Jesus who had resurrected. And then Jesus shows up because he really wasn't crucified. And it looks like he's risen from the dead. Jesus is just a prophet. You don't have to go much further as you read the Koran to know that religion is not going to take you to heaven. If you believe that, you're not believing the way, the truth, and the life is in Christ. And if you don't believe that Jesus is deity... How could he be the Savior of man? How could he be sinless without being God? And so the Islamic faith continues to grow. And there's definitely going to be a showdown someday. I hope you know that. 
And their religion is so keen and so aware of their proselyting, either you become an Islamic person or they'll kill you. That's not the way of God. That's not the way of the Scripture. And there also was an angel who visited Joseph Smith. Well, Joseph Smith was just 15 years old. And he had a heart. He wanted to seek and find out what religion would be the best. An angel appears to him and says, All religions are an abomination. None of them are good. But I'm going to show you what is good. And the angel talks to him about golden plates being buried on a hillside. He goes and gets the golden plates. And then the same angel gives him a pair of glasses so so that he's able to read what's written in the golden plates and record that in the Book of Mormon. Jesus is not the Son of God. Jesus is not immortal. Jesus had a beginning. And all you have to do is read the Scripture and see, does that agree with what the Bible says? Finally, when you look at this Scripture, you can understand why Paul wrote it in the Bible. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than what we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. So it's pretty clear. There are good angels. And there are bad angels. And you need to test the spirits when someone, anything tells you, when a person tells you something that's in the Bible. You want to test that and see if it's good. See if you can find that in the Scripture. See if that's true. Paul said of the uh, Galatians, he said, I really like you guys because you always look back and see if what I'm telling you is the truth. He said that of the Bereans, you always search the Scriptures to find out if what I'm telling you is true. We need to be good students of the Word of God so that we can understand who's speaking And when we know it's God speaking to us, go witness to that person over there. Go invite that person into your house. Get to know people and love them. People are without food. Feed them. You do it unto the least of them. You do it unto me. Great catastrophes are going to occur and already have occurred in our country. And we cannot, as Christians, turn our back on people in need. We must love them. Look for opportunity to serve the Lord by serving others. And God will bless you for this. And God will reward you. And the angels of heaven will rejoice because you're doing the kind of thing that can lead them unto Christ. I just want to take another moment and... Thank you for your attention today and for looking at, with me at the angels. I certainly haven't exhausted the uh, instruction of the Scripture and angel, angels, but have you received what I've said? Do you like what you've heard? <laughs> Wonderful.